0: The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven.
1: Hello, Ecclesia. It's my honor to welcome you to another gathering for worship in our community. We know that we are still in a really unique time, and all of us are feeling pressures from every different direction, and one of the ways that we stay rooted and grounded into who we are and who God created us to be is to worship together. And so as we enter in this time, I would invite you to collect your communion elements for later, to center yourselves, maybe your family, to connect with the people who are part of your community who might be watching with you. And as we invite God into this time, let us do so with a word of prayer. Creator God, For your presence and your provision, we give you thanks. And we ask, Lord, that you center our hearts on who you are and what you're doing, who you are in the world. God, that we would connect with you through prayer and connection with our sisters and brothers. And remember, Lord, that regardless of where we are, that you have joined us there. And so as we enter into this time, give us a sense of the fullness of your presence, And we ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia, let's worship.
2: We'll build Yeah. Let my eyes see nothing but your glory, my Lord Let my eyes see nothing, let my eyes see nothing but your glory, my Lord Let this heart not wander, let this heart not Heart not wonder. Let this heart not wander, let this heart not wander from you Let heart not wonder let this heart not wander from your mercy, my Lord. Let this heart not wander, let this heart not wander from your mercy, my Lord.
3: Ecclesia. Even in this challenging season, we continue to be committed to the work God calls us, sharing the gospel, caring for the vulnerable in our city and beyond, caring well, especially for our children. As we each consider our part in that offering, please speak this prayer along with me. Almighty God, we long to love you and one another as you love us. Fill us with continued worship and gratitude to sustain us in uncertain times. Help our thoughts to be holy and our hearts to remain generous as you free us from all anxiety and fear of scarcity. We seek each day to place our renewed trust in you, reminded that even in the seeming desert, your banquet table is set for feasting. Through this humble offering of our family, and in all things, may you be glorified. Amen.
4: Ecclesia, it's always a privilege for me to get to address you as a community. One of the things that we get to do as staff are hope and dream of ways to help guide you in your journey with Jesus. And we do have a couple of things that are coming up the pipe, if you will. Starting August 16th, we will be offering two classes during the Sunday, 10 a.m. hour. One of the classes will be led by Pastor Wayne Brown and Hannah Rodriguez, and they'll be taking us on a deep dive through the Book of Jonah. The other class is called Sacred Frames, led by our pastor, Mike Yeager. And he's going to be giving us some perspective and another way of looking at film to connect what we see and what we hear and what we feel to the story of God. And so I hope that you will consider one of these two opportunities. And for more information and to sign up, you can go to ecclesiahouston.org slash online care. Another thing that our staff work hard at is trying to assess and meet the needs of our community. Some of you may know that we have recently partnered with the Baylor School of Social Work, and we have brought on a full-time social worker to our staff. Her name is Juliana Hale. And she got a chance to sit down recently with our family ministry pastor, Kelly Booth, to talk more about who she is and what she brings to our Ecclesia community.
5: Hey friends, I'm Kelly Booth and I serve on the family ministry team. And I'm um, really excited to um, have a conversation with Juliana today and for you to get to hear more from her and, just for you to get to hear more about what this partnership between the Baylor College of Social Work and Ecclesia really looks like. So I would love for you to just
6: share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Houston. I grew up in Clear Lake with my family. Um, after that, I went to Texas a for undergrad and got my Bachelor's of Science in Sociology there. And then moved back to Houston after graduating from there and um, started the Baylor School of Social Work at their Houston campus. And um, yeah, have been here ever since moving back so, just prior to this, I was working at a nonprofit in Houston, actually just down the road in Montrose, um, called the Women's Home. And they provide services to long term services to women who are in transition and who are recovering from substance abuse. And then prior to that, I um, have some experience working in the NICU at Texas Children's, um, just providing support to those families that find themselves there. When I'm not at work, I enjoy. Um, spending time outside, I love to visit national parks, and I also really enjoy spending time with friends and family. That's awesome.
5: So what exactly is
6: Better Together? So Better Together, like you said, is a partnership between Baylor School of Social Work and Ecclesia. It just comes out of um, the season where our rhythms and our natural routines have really been disrupted and just knowing um, and already seeing really the impact that that's having on our kids and so we're looking to just provide individual therapy to kids who may be struggling um, with some some adjustment to all of these changes and then also providing some parent groups um, just to give parents an outlet to kind of debrief some of the things that are going on and some of the really big emotions that they're feeling Um, and also maybe learn some skills that will help them um, navigate this season.
5: One of the things that has really fascinated me as I've learned more about um, the Baylor School of Social Work is what sets it apart from other schools and uh, wondered if you could just talk just a little bit about what makes it different, what made you excited
6: to go? Yeah, yeah so I think um, one of the biggest thing that sets Baylor apart from other schools of social work um, is that they have such an emphasis on the integration of faith and practice. Um, and that's ethically integrating um, faith and spirituality with our clients. And so, looking at clients as holistic people um, who are spiritual beings, who have spirituality and have faiths, and looking at how that impacts our work together and how we can really use that um, in our work together. And I think that was a really big, uh, played a really big part in me choosing to go there because my faith. Um, impacts and informs so much of the beliefs and the values that I have um, that really just play into my role as a social worker. Yeah, I
5: really appreciate that about the Baylor College of Social Work because it's such a, a unique thing that, um, that y'all bring into our communities. And I think is obviously, it's so needed. And so what is it that you're most excited about with Better Together?
6: I think I'm most excited about just being able to build relationships with um, our kids and their families and be able to provide a space to process all of the emotions that come along with this season and all of the changes um, and really be able to help them, our kids and our parents, um, learn skills that will help them thrive and live the lives that I believe um, God intended them to live just full lives. So if you have any
5: kiddos, any teenagers, any parents in your life that are needing additional support, please don't hesitate to reach out to Juliana or myself. Or you can go to our website, it's ecclesiahouston.org slash online care. In the coming weeks we'll have some resources that are available um, that you can also refer others to.
4: So, Juliana, thank you so much for being willing to partner with us here at Ecclesia. We really appreciate the passion and the expertise that you bring to our community. And finally, Ecclesia, another big thank you for the donations that you have brought and the meals that you have sponsored for the vulnerable sisters and brothers in our community. If you would like to sponsor meals, please email Lauren at EcclesiaHouston.org. This is an effort that we're continuing through the summer, partnering with local Houston restaurants to provide healthy and nutritious meals for those who would not otherwise have a hot meal. I also want to just say another thank you for the ways that you are giving to our efforts around the globe in Mexico, in Argentina, and then at the border between Colombia and Venezuela. There are some really dire situations, um, not just here in Houston, but around the world. And Ecclesia, thank you for your heart to give to those as well. If you would like to donate, we would love for you to text that amount to 84321. And now we get to hear from our friend Bob Goff, who's giving our message today.
7: Hey Ecclesia, it's Bob Goff here. I am so glad to be back with you again. Uh, You are a family that I miss and one of the things that's happened is that the all eyes of the world have been on Houston and and to see the way that you guys are loving people in South America, the way that you're serving people in your community in the middle of difficult times. It reminds me of a a verse, it's Philippians 2.20 and it's Paul talking about his buddy Timothy, and he says, I don't have anybody like Timothy. He's a guy who takes a genuine interest in other people's welfare. Isn't that beautiful? That's how I want to be known. I want to be known as a guy who takes a genuine interest in the welfare of other people, but I don't need to get in other people's business to do that. What I can do is realize that God is up to things that I don't always understand. Take this next Saturday there's gonna be a wedding planner somewhere and she's praying for sunshine. There's a farmer and he's gonna be praying for rain. And if it rains, it doesn't mean that God doesn't like the bride. It means that he was doing something different in that farmer's life than he happened to be doing in the bride's life. And I'm telling you, we are the bride of Christ. It seems like an unlikely uh, story for us, but we're actually the bride. And we've got prayers. We have things for ourselves. We have prayers that we offer for the people around. And there's a lot of confusion that's out there. What I want to do is to say, I want to be so focused on what is true in my own life and while I'm taking a genuine interest in everybody else's life, I'm not going to get involved in everybody else's business. Does that make sense? To keep your eyes on your own paper. And, and I think that we do that by keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. One of the things that uh, we have is options, like tons and tons of options. And and, uh, there was a time where Jesus had his disciples and many of them, the people that had been following him, started leaving. And he turned to one of his disciples and said, are you leaving too? And I love that disciple's response. He said, where would I go? I got no other place to be. I'm telling you, I want to eliminate all the other options for our life than just making it me and you with Jesus, and then expressing that, Galatians 5, 6, to express our faith in love. And the way we express our faith in love is to express an interest in the people around us, to be empathetic to the things that are going on, knowing that God is doing something different in one person's life than he might be doing in someone else's life, and being undistracted. I I get distracted super easily by tons of different things toothpicks. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have this, uh, this unreasonable thought that when uh, the toothpick comes out, I'm going to get a piece of beef in my like forehead. So Uganda, where I spend a lot of time and you guys have spent a lot of time loving on the kids over there too, uh, there are toothpicks on every single table. You know what I do when I get to a restaurant? ditch the toothpicks. (laughs) I want to just eliminate the distractions from my life. And if you start eliminating the distractions, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find your way back to your faith. It's finding your way back to your faith that's going to do it. And the craziest thing is that God's going to use us taking a genuine interest in other people's life, not messing with their, their life, but taking an interest in it to lead us back him. Isn't that crazy? So what I want you to do is think of what are the distractions in your life? What are the things that are uh, leading you away? You know the story about Peter, right? Jesus walks out on the stormy seas and what he says to Peter, Peter, step out of the boat. And it said Peter saw the wind and he started to sink. He was distracted. He wasn't eyes on Jesus anymore. He was distracted. I know this firsthand because about a week and a half ago, I decided I was going to the beach. But I live in San Diego. We were going to go to Coronado, and then I saw a picture of how many people were on the beach—just a little bit more than the Rose Bowl. <laughs> so I'm like, "Oh heck, no!" So I like got a little boat. I went around on the outside and the ocean side, and I decided I'm. Just just going to jump in there where there's nobody. So I got out of the boat. I jumped in. You guys, awesome water, awesome clear views. It was beautiful until I realized that the boat was being pushed by the wind away from me faster than I could swim. It was like Castaway and I was Wilson the volleyball. (laughs) That's going to happen to you. It'll be a a, a relationship that'll go uh, crazy. It'll be a job. It'll be something else that's become the wind that you either saw like Peter and got distracted or didn't see like Bob and and you got stranded. You're saying like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? Well, I evidently made my way to the boat because I am here talking to you. But I'm telling you, when you're out there all alone floating in the ocean, if the boat feels like it's blowing away, man, it just leaves you a decision. Am I just gonna sit here and just lament the circumstance or am I gonna start swimming? And what I want you to do in the difficult times that we face is to just start swimming. And if you see somebody else struggling, don't give them advice, man. If there was somebody that you saw in the shallow end of the pool, and you saw they were drowning, you wouldn't just stand on the edge and give them advice. You wouldn't just say, hey, don't feel that, or you should just do this. What you do is you get in the water with them. And what I want us to do is take a genuine interest where without inf- interfering with somebody's life, we just get in the water. We identify that empathy that God gives us. That's the evidence. It's, the, it's described in scriptures as the aroma of Christ. I want us to get in the water with people when they're hurting and, and just realize God might be up to some different things in their life than he is in my life. I want to just get after it and ask some questions. Ask like non-invasive questions, but don't just stay surfacy on this thing. I want you to ask me Meaningful questions. Uh, don't mug somebody with your questions. Did you know that Jesus asked 300 questions and he only answered two? <laughs> When people ask me questions, like, I don't want to answer. I'm like, hey, I already answered my two questions for my three years. What I want you to do is ask questions, but be really purposeful about this. Be really kind, be really empathetic. You might just probe the waters a little bit. Don't just say like, how you doing? But just say, is there something I could do for you that would be helpful today? Can I wash your, wash your car? <laughs> can I wash your dog? Can I, can I do whatever it is? is There's something I've got that would be helpful to you. And when When we start doing that stuff, we we start having to deal with our own relationship with ambiguity. Now I'm a seven on the Enneagram. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, it's like a personality test. So a one would be somebody that loves Excel spreadsheets. You know who you are. A seven is the enthusiast, if you haven't picked up on that. So a seven is like, even if I shot a shark, I'd say, with a lot of teeth, right? And so it's just the optimist and all that. What I want you to do is to say, well, what is the most uh, engaging way I can take who God's made me to be without being off-putting to you? What are the questions that I can ask? We, at uh, dinner time, all the way through our kids growing up, we would have a box of questions. And have you ever seen those? So you get all these pre printed questions. What well, we would do, Sweet Marie and I, we would stack the deck. We'd find all the questions like, who was your first girlfriend? <laughs> so we would stack the deck and we would put all those questions on the top. I want you to stack the deck. I want you to say, what are questions I really want to know? Here are three questions. I want you to start with yourself. Who are you, where are you, and what do you want? Wouldn't that be great? While we're taking a genuine interest in other people, I want you to have clarity on who you are. So who are you? Like, not, not what your driver's license says or what but people know you for. I write books every once in a while, but, but that doesn't make me an author. That's just a guy who can spell. Um, but, but who am I? I'm Sweet Maria's husband. I'm Lindsay, Richard, and Adam's dad. I got a grandkid. Uh, uh, you know this grandkid of mine, he he's, uh, only knows one word, and the word he knows is this, apple. <laughs> so I'm an apple, Sweet Marie is an apple, a car is an apple, an apple is an apple. Um, What I'm hoping will happen in his life is that he'll learn more words to describe more things because life will go better for him if he does. And the the same is true for you. As we take a genuine interest in other people, as we start understanding who we are, we find better words to describe. We don't have to rely and retread words. We do the things that uh, Scripture talked about to be uh, eyes fixed on Jesus and using the things that God has done in our life so that we, in turn, could come Comfort people with the comfort we received directly from Christ. Not something we could just gin up ourselves. And if we get authentic about that, that's where actually some really cool stuff happens along the way. And t- tough things are going to happen. You're going to mess up. There's an old writer's trick. You fail in chapter four. <laughs> that's crazy. Every chapter in my life would be chapter four. I mean, I think I'd write a book. I'll just call it chapter four. And uh, Chapter one will be chapter four, chapter four but you're not defined by your failures. You're defined by who Jesus says you are. And he calls you beloved. Isn't that awesome? I was looking at the most popular names that are out there. You know, uh, the eighth most popular name about 50 years ago, Bertha. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Now, if you're Bertha, that's awesome. But what Jesus calls you today, right now, he calls you beloved. Whatever your name is, that's how you're seen. And I think we need to start having a right perspective of how God sees us so we can know who we are. Where are you? Where are you at? Are you feeling like you're just boxed in with all the crazy things going on? We're really picky about the words we use. I never say the word virus. I made it 61 years without saying it. I ain't saying it now. We call it uh, glitter. (laughs) We just don't want to get the glitter on us. And so being picky, find another way to describe an important idea. Do that with your faith. Find another way to describe this idea of grace. That sounds like for people that don't know faith, they'll say it just sounds like a religious word. Find another way. It's kind of like, like where you got something you didn't deserve, but you got it anyway. Find another way to describe that. I'm not saying dumbing it down. I'm saying get real about it. Somebody asked me uh, in one of my books, they'd read it. They say, are you watering down the gospel? I'm like, oh, buddy, I hope so. (laughs) I just want to make it for people who are thirsty. And people are thirsty for authentic words from you. They just want to get real with that. They want want to know your chapter four. And, And if somebody around you that you love and care for is experiencing your chapter four, you know what I want you to do? Give them immense Patience. That's Paul, that God demonstrated in me, the worst of the sinners, his immense patience. So we could put on display his tremendous love for us. That's it. And as we're patient with the people around, I think that's why God made church parking lots (laughs) and traffic jams in Houston. So we could put on display his immense patience and we could put on display ours. And so one, one of the things I want people to do when they meet me is that they don't meet a wall of opinions that they actually meet Jesus. And the way that we do that is just being super authentic, just getting real instead of figuring out what everybody else needs to do to figure out uh, what's going on in my life. Well, an exercise for you if you want with somebody that you love, uh, write down your high and low values. I'll tell you a high value for me is timeliness. I feel like five minutes uh, you know, early is 10 minutes late. So it's just timeliness. I don't keep Maria waiting for me. I just really feel like if somebody says three o'clock, it's three o'clock, I'm gonna be there. I'm not gonna be late because I don't want somebody waiting on me. That makes me feel super awkward. Um, so figure out what are your high values and then share them with somebody. Uh, do this in the blind. Do a double blind where you write your high and low values and you're, the person that you love the most, they write theirs. And then compare them to say like, Wow, I didn't know that. That was like a big deal for you. And that is a super low value for me. You know what's a super low value for me? Appointments. (laughs) I don't make them. They just drive me nuts because I'm looking at my clock all the time. Like, am I late? Am I late? Because that's a high value. And what is happening in your mind, if you don't have the things clear about what's a high value and a low value, then you're just... constantly dealing with this conflict. It's Romans 7, it's Paul saying, you know what, I keep doing the stuff I don't want to do, and I keep not doing the stuff I do want to do. We live these incredibly conflicted lives, and I want you to understand where the conflicts are, and get real about that. You maybe don't need to get real with everybody, but you need to get real with somebody. Find a Starbucks somewhere and say, for three minutes, I'm just going to tell you the way it is. And don't you dare try to fix me. I'm just going to tell you the way it is. I want to with total authenticity. I want you to just receive that. And then we're going to flip it. I want you to tell me for the next three minutes the way it really is in your life. And I'm telling you, we create those safe places where we can be authentic, where we're demonstrating a genuine interest, we're demonstrating immense patience and empathy with people. I'm telling you, that's where all the good stuff happens and people will see Jesus. Matthew 16, there's this big Simon Peter moment. Remember, it's like, who do you say I am? And, and one of his disciples said, well, some people say you're a prophet. And he was. Jesus was an, an incredible prophet. And he said, some people say you're a teacher. And he actually was an awesome teacher. But then Simon Peter nailed it. He said, I say you're God. And Jesus said, you nailed it. <laughs> In different words. He said, don't tell anybody. Now that just blows the minds of all the evangelicals. They're like, what the heck? He said this, flesh and blood doesn't reveal this stuff, but the Spirit of God. Your genuine interest, your empathy, you creating a safe spot, the Spirit of God will let people know this is the real deal. And if we get out of the way and just move all of our agendas to the side, realizing that God is up to different things in different people's lives than he happens to be in yours, that realizing the the separation sometime in our life between ourselves. Some of you guys have been using this time uh, while the sprinkles are around uh, to read, and I have too. And you think I'm gonna say like Thoreau, like Walden Pond? This is what I've been reading. Peter Pan! And the thing that happens in Peter Pan, famously at the beginning, Peter gets separated from his shadow, remember? It's the dog gets a hold of the shadow, rips it off of his feet. And so for the next 30 minutes, I'm imagining, Peter is trying to chase his shadow, trying to connect up again. And you know what God did in in his life, like he does in ours? He gives you Wendy. And Wendy got the shadow together with Peter, and they sewed him back together again. Boy, I'm telling you, if you're feeling far afield from God, you're feeling far away, like things have happened in the season, it's financial stuff, it's relational stuff. If you're just feeling separated, I want you to come back to Jesus with a ton of authenticity to say, I really feel conflicted. I feel like my shadow of me is over here and real me is over here. What we want to do is bring those two back. And then let that idea that we talked about, this idea of grace and empathy and they sew them back together again if we get that right ready to go for people we're going to be looking for opportunities to to make that real in somebody's life at a time where people are in a really tough spot some people are just agonizing and and if we're the ones that can reach out and to just say i'm with you in the middle of it it'll just change everything There was a couple that ended up in our backyard and uh, they had these really long faces and they were walking down by the bay and we've got a little uh, dock and a boat out in the back. And, and they had these long faces. And I went down, I wanted to demonstrate a genuine interest in them. And I, and I said, oh, are you guys okay? Get this, they both work in the ICU. They're like uh, saving people's lives every day. Their ambition, they just wanted to get married. And, but the church canceled, the reception canceled, everything canceled. And I told them, I'm a captain. I've got a boat, and I'm ordained. And so the next weekend, we married him. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, but your head on a swivel. You found out what was going on in Venezuela, and you guys showed up and started delivering food. You found out in another country where people were in need. And you know what? Houston's in need, and you guys are responding. That is what we're gonna be known for. It's Galatians 5, 6. The only thing that matters is your faith expressed in love. You get that thing right, you get everything right, but we need to be authentic. Remember I told you there's 37 miracles in the Bible, and one of the 38th miracle is gonna be you. There's there's the eighth miracle, and there's a guy with a withered hand. And I know something about withered hand. I got malaria a couple trips ago when I went to Uganda. <laughs> God damn, I didn't know I had malaria. I just figured I was kinda of a little sleepy. <laughs> I was about to take the beach sleep because I went to uh, Uganda and then I came back and I went to 10 cities in a row, speaking of different things. And by the 10th city, you guys, I was worked. I had a fever. I had all this, well, I ended up in the hospital. They said, you got a one in 10 chance of making it. (laughs) I thought they were gonna start like, you know, dividing up my clothes. And one of the things that happened is that uh, somebody came along with a fix. And it was a person that actually had spent some time trying to figure out how to to fix people like me that had a really serious case. And we're exposed to that now in the news with so much devastation going along. And we're really hoping that there's somebody that will come up with a fix for this thing. And I'm telling you, it isn't science, it's faith that this idea that Jesus has got a fix for some of your, talking about, I want super smart scientists coming up with vaccines right away, but until then, what I'm gonna do, the fix is gonna be authenticity and taking a genuine interest in the people around me. I'm fine after this whole malaria thing, except for this. Here, reach out your right hand, if you will, even if you're looking at this on a laptop. Look at your right hand, is that thing rock solid? <laughs> Mine is, I could like do Lasix. Come and see me, I'll, I'll hook you up. Uh, but my left hand, <laughs> <laughs> it shakes. I'm like, I had no idea what happened. Something got disconnected. I mean, it, I, it's like churning butter. And one of the things that happened in the seventh miracle is that Jesus met a guy with a withered hand. And you know what I realized? He told him, reach out your hand to me. Isn't that beautiful? You know what I realize I've been doing for 25 years? I've been reaching out my strong hand to Jesus. I've been reaching out my strong hand to the people around me. I see somebody in trouble, I want to reach out a strong hand. And I'm giving that a quarter of a twist. What I'm doing now is I'm reaching out my weak hand to people. And if you can do that, not with authenticity. You can say, I, I've experienced some stuff that's similar to this and may not be exactly what you're experiencing, but I want to be in this together. I don't want to reach out a strong hand to you. I want to reach out a weak hand to just say, we both need a Jesus in this thing. And is there something I can do to be helpful to you on the way? And those will be the things that people will remember us for years and years from now. Uh, Some of you will find out that I bought a camp. There's this Young Life camp that got kind of abandoned maybe 10 years ago. Nobody was working on it. Then the weeds had grown up and it smelled like people who didn't take showers. So, so I bought this thing with a buddy of mine, and we've decided. And it's like maybe 300 acres of land. We decided to make a vineyard. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it just sounds so biblical, right? But the problem is there's brush that's eight feet tall, and before you plant the vines, you got to clear the brush. You see where I'm going with this thing? So I got this excavator, and on the end of the excavator is this big brushing attachment, and you go back and forth over the brush, and it makes it go away and mulches it all up. You know. What's under the brush? Rattlesnakes, (laughs) lots of them. And and that's what's gonna happen. If you have a big plan, a big ambition, and say, I wanna be the kind of person that relates to people, you need to clear a little brush in your own life. You need to figure out what are the inconsistent, what's those Roman seven things going on in my life, so that I'm not just blowing a bunch of sunshine at people, I've actually done the deep work I need to do to figure it out. And you, when I find some rattlesnakes, what are some of the things that you're gonna uncover that you actually have to deal with? I'm telling you, once we figure out that, we start bringing some context to this thing. I was driving up, and I was behind a car. <laughs> this is a sporty little car, and the license plate, one of those custom license plates, it said Amish. <laughs> I'm like, I was thinking, Roman (laughs) Seven. He needed to get somewhere in a hurry and he just said, the the horse and the buggy isn't going to do it. Well, one of the things that I want you to do is clear the brush. See what's going on. What are the inconsistencies in your life? Identify the rattlesnakes. Now, I decided to move to another part once I cleared the field here. So I took my excavator, went underneath an oak tree and the excavator hit one of the limbs. Hanging from the limb is a huge beehive. thousand bees land on the cab of the excavator oh and they went nuts <laughs> it was about to turn bad but you know what the excavator has a door and i decided to just shut the door and what i want you to do i don't want you to uh, shut the door to everyone in your life but there's certain things in your life that have become distractions certain things in your life you don't need to do a bible study you just need to stop doing it To just say, I'm out, that's old Bob, this is new Bob, I'm not doing that anymore. Shut the door to some of those things. There might be some relationships that are toxic to you. There might be some uh, work environments. Some of you have jobs. I mean, half the people I know are afraid they're gonna lose their job and the other half are afraid they're gonna keep it. This is a time where you can just decide, I'm gonna shut the door on that one, that career that I used to pursue that's taking me away from the things that I love. I'm gonna shut the door to maybe some of the behaviors that's getting my eyes off Jesus. I'm starting to see the wind instead of seeing his eyes on me. Shut the door on some of those things. What I decided to do next is to move the excavator once the bees had kind of resolved their stuff and get back to brushing. You know what else there is in the rocks? Rocks, (laughs) there's rocks in the rocks. And when the brusher hits the rocks, it makes sparks and sparks make fire. And if you're in dry eight foot brush, you do not want fire. So you know what I have with me? Fire extinguisher, easy enough. So when I see the smoke, I get the fire extinguisher out. I put it out, that isn't being irresponsible, it's the opposite. I'm just situationally aware. I know what's going on. I know where I'm playing with fire. I know what's gonna happen if you're trying to clear the field, if you're trying to plant the vans. And here's the crazy thing, I've been setting it up on grapes. The thing about golf guys, we only live a certain amount of time. It's crazy. It's like we only have the same number of wines in our battery. (laughs) So I've done the math here. I don't think I'm gonna be around to pick the grapes, but you know what? That's not why I'm planting the vineyard. I'm planting the vineyard because it'll be beautiful. I'm planting the vineyard because I want to express God's love and creativity in my life by expressing love and creativity in other people's lives. Don't do what you did because you did an equation about how it's going to benefit you. Do it because it would be a beautiful thing to do. Do it because it would be an expression of your faith. Do it because Matthew 25 said, the only thing we're going to talk about when we get to heaven together is hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, and people in jail. That's it. James said widows and orphans. I got eight things we're talking about. Stop looking for a plan for your life, that's the plan for your life, (laughs) to start loving the people around you, finding people that are in need, taking a genuine interest in them, getting real with yourself, having those three minutes of authenticity, creating safe places for people, clearing the brush, finding the rattlesnakes, closing the door, finding the fire, putting out the fire. If you see where we're going with this thing, find these stories in your life. It said Jesus never spoke to anybody without telling him a story. And I know why, because we remember the stories that Jesus told. I don't care how many boats are floating in the Sea of Galilee, but when he said, it was kind of like two sons. And the master went to the first son and said, go in the field and work. And that first son said, no, (laughs) he didn't embellish it. He just said, I ain't going, but he went. The second son, it's a little bit more like me. He probably had some lawyer in him. He's like, you know, I'm your guy, send me in. But he didn't go. And the end of this uh, conversation in Matthew 21 is which one did what the father asked? And I think God will ask each one of us, did you care for the people that were around you? And did you care for the difficult people? Because, uh, you know, a mini intervention, you're difficult. <laughs> You may not think you're difficult, I'm here to tell you. You are not as sweet and lovable as you always think you are. But if you want to see where you're at in expression of your fi- faith, find the people you disagree with the most and see how you're loving with them. I'm not saying capitulate to them. You may raise a fist in protest. You may say, oh, heck no. But I want you to see how are we loving these difficult people because you can't say you love God if you don't love the people he made. Now, you can disagree with them and raise your voice if you need to. But don't shout over everybody. Find a quiet spot, raise your voice, listen to people, express a genuine interest. And when we do that, we really crack the code in our faith. Ecclesia, you guys have got this thing. I'm super proud of you. I love what you've been doing in the world. Uh, You are a model of God's grace and beautiful uh, intent for what we do with one another. And it all starts with this. It starts by expressing a genuine interest in the people around you. All right, so long you guys, I love you.
8: So Ecclesia family, as we come to the table to feast and to declare Christ's death and resurrection, let me share a passage with you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. And the Apostle Paul writes this, he says, "'I passed on to you the tradition the Lord gave to me, On the same night the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread in his hands, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Keep doing this so that you and all who come after will have a vivid reminder of me. After they had finished dinner, he took the cup, and in the same way he said, this cup is the new covenant executed in my blood. Keep doing this, and whenever you drink it, you and all who come after will have a vivid reminder of me every time you taste this bread and every time you place the cup to your mouth and drink you are declaring the lord's death which is the ultimate expression of his faithfulness and love until he comes again and so ecclesia we're going to pause together to collectively wherever we are declare christ's death and resurrection So as we prepare that, I've got some elements here. I've got saltine crackers, and I've got some some wine with me today. Whatever you've got in your home, in just a few moments, we're gonna sing a song, and that's a great time to gather those elements. Uh, But I wanna invite you to join me in saying a prayer of confession to prepare our hearts as we come to the table. So will you pray this prayer with me now? Lord, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well were run dry. You forgive time and again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. You are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace, amen. So Ecclesia, this is the body of Christ broken for you, and this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Let us taste and feast together and declare his death and resurrection. Amen.
2: I
9: Comes the time in our service where we will say a blessing over our children so feel free to bring your children close to you or just think of any special children that are in your lives i will be thinking of all of our beautiful children of ecclesia who i miss so much dear heavenly father i pray a special blessing over each and every one of the children who are watching this and every child in our community God, this is a really hard time right now for them as they are going through so many new changes and difficulties, God. And I pray that you would just wrap your arms around them, that you would show them that you have equipped them with the tools that they need to get through this time, God. I pray that they would feel your love and your compassion and your kindness with them today and always. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.
10: The benediction is a blessing for courage by poet Jan Richardson. I cannot say where it lives, only that it comes to the heart that is open, to the heart that asks, to the heart that does not turn away. It can take practice, days of tugging at what keeps us bound, seasons of pushing against what keeps our dreaming small. When it arrives, it might surprise you by how quiet it is, how it moves with such grace for possessing such power. But you will know it by the strength that rises from within you to meet it, by the release of the knot in the center of your chest that suddenly lets go. You will recognize it by how still your fear becomes as it loosens its grip, perhaps never quite leaving you but calmly turning into joy as you enter the life that is finally your own. Ecclesia, dwell in peace.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.eclesiahouston.org.